Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here for our local author day for East Brunswick Public Library. For those just joining, I'm your moderator, Stephanie Sandala, and I'm so thrilled to have this next panel on writing for children and teens. Let me introduce our authors. It's a great lineup. Next to me, we have Jen Dukstorsky, we have Joe Rutch, and we have Rochelle Burke. So you're gonna hear more about their books, which are really great, and I hope you all pick up copies here as well. So to start off, um, Jen, if you wanna go first, tell us a little bit about how your book came, books came to be. Um, do you start with like an image, a concept, a picture? Um, like what comes first for you? The character uh, usually comes first um, for me. Uh, one of my first books, the phrase, uh, I'm not the kind of girl who wakes up um, on a summer morning to be on the receiving end of uh, a restraining order came into my head. And I thought, what kind of a person would say that? And so it's always character and the voice. Um, and from there, I find out what this person did to end up in the situation that they're in. Okay, I think uh, my uh, book came to be uh, in a weird way. It was an assignment. Uh, I did a second round of college in my 40s, and um, this was basically an assignment in my adolescent um, literature class. And I put it aside, and then later on, when I was uh, reading kids to my reading books to my grandkids, I was like, my book's better than that. I can, uh, I, I should publish it and make a million on it. Which, as anyone here that writes knows, that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, how did it come about? It was a situation in my family with my father and grandkids moving in to his house. My sister had separated, divorced, and. Um, I just fixated on the story of a grumpy grandfather that shouldn't be grumpy, and um, that's where it came from. Hi. Um, I, my books all co each come about with a completely different way. There's not like one way. Um, there's, uh, my first one came about, my first book ever was Treehouse in a Storm, and that really started with a memory because I did grow up in New Orleans and we had a lot of hurricanes and uh, my brother built treehouses. But there's some like uh, Don't Turn the Page that it was a title that came up to me first and then that I just thought what could kid wouldn't want to turn the page of a book that says Don't Turn the Page. I mean, I know if somebody told me not to do something, that's exactly the thing I was going to do. Um, some of them come about because of uh, something that I've read that fascinated me, uh, such as the biography of a blind artist. I stumbled upon a news article about a congenitally blind artist who paints beautiful pictures, and I had to know everything about him, and that resulted in that. So there isn't really one way. Uh, it can be pretty much anything that sparks an idea. Okay. Well, can I have a follow-up question to that? Because I know you all touched about ideas, so and you talked about memory a little bit, too. So are there any memories that you have that sparked your writing process? or how you got started. Um, Jen, I'm really curious for you as well also. Now, that's a question for each of you. Oh yeah, do you wanna go first, Jen? Um, oh. Oh. Yes, um, one of my books, uh, the book about the girl who's on the receiving end of a restraining order, um, totally new character, but I used the memory of a, an actual road trip that I took 
when I was in my 20s, like a cross-country road trip, and I sort of put her inside my memories of that trip. Um, it became the framework of the novel. Okay, the memory, again, it was um, a family situation, and I just remembered when I was growing up, my dad was a lot of fun, and as he was older, I didn't realize it at the time, I don't want to disparage my father, but he was grumpier and grouchier as he got older with the grandkids moving in, and it turned out he was in beginning stages of Parkinson's, and I guess he just wasn't feeling up to what he was uh, asked to do. So that's the memory, and you know, I owe my father a posthumous uh, apology for thinking that he just wasn't being nice. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. I'd say uh, memories do work their way into into most of the books um, in a lot of ways. As I said, with the first one, it was a memory of. Uh, uh, my experience growing up with hurricanes. In that particular case, it was a memory of my brother crying because he knew with the impending hurricane that his treehouse was likely to be destroyed, which, spoiler alert, it wasn't. But, um, well, that's not in the book. The book is fiction. At the end of the book, it was. But it still has a happy ending. Um, and other ones of my books, I have one that's not up here, but it's at my table, um, called The Best Four Questions, which is a funny Passover book. And that, I mean, we had the most boisterous Passover seders, much to my parents and grandparents' chagrin. Um, and so the, some of the silliness of the memories um, during those seders uh, worked their way into that book. Yeah, thank you. I think I have another follow-up question, um, especially for you, Jennifer and Rochelle. So I know you've both written multiple books. So which one was the most enjoyable to write and why? Um, the most enjoyable to write was the book I just mentioned, the road trip book. Um, it, and the why was because it had a framework, because it, I, I knew what every stop on this trip was going to be. I struggle with plot. Um, I start with character, plot's always a little harder for me. So that one was fun. I was reliving a trip, I was reliving a memory, and it was, I had the framework already built in. So I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, I would say my most enjoyable one to write was um, The Walking Fish. This one, the no it's a novel. First of all, because it's a novel, it's a longer book. I can really develop the characters um, very richly, which is a lot of fun. Um, but primarily because the original idea um, was my uncle's, who had had a draft of a novel, and he had said, you know, I'd really love you to work on me with this. And I thought I was just going to help him edit and self-publish a book. But I read that draft, and I saw such an incredible story in it. Um, and although I rewrote it and added characters and, you know, and, and just a lot, of, a lot of details and expanded a great deal, um, the process of writing it with this person who was my all-time favorite person in the world, a uh, brilliant man, a doctor, an artist, a writer, um, uh, it, was, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life to write it with him. Um, sadly, he died last month at 94. Um, but I'll never, I mean, that memory of just that experience of writing it with him. And, uh, and uh, it, it actually did win a National Science Teaching Association Award and to be able to give that to him as a gift was so special as well. Oh, thank you, that is just so beautiful too. So thank you for sharing that. 
Um, and I have a question for each of you. So I know I kind of, Jennifer and Rochelle, you kind of briefly touched on it. So which characters of all your books, and um, Joe, feel free to answer this too, because I know that you're gonna have an answer also. Um, which character holds a special place in your heart out of all the characters that you've written? Oh, and why, obviously, okay. too. So um, after Hurricane Sandy, I decided to write the, the Summer After You and Me, which takes place the summer after Hurricane Sandy you know, basically destroyed or wreaked havoc at the Jersey Shore. Um, a, a good part of my life as being someone who's proud of being from New Jersey has been defending New Jersey, and in particular the Jersey Shore, which got a bad rap after the MTV series. So I set out to write this book with, you know, the purpose of the backdrop of Hurricane Sandy, but also to show people what the Jersey Shore was really like. And as a result, I really think the shore became a character in this book. And so, um, and then I did a follow-up, August and everything after, same setting, Seaside Park, New Jersey. So my favorite character um, is actually a setting, you know, in these two books. Um, my favorite character, obviously, in Grandpa and the Roller Coaster is Grandpa. Um, because he has a transformative experience. Um, one of my favorite stories is Les Mis. Jean Valjean has a, such an incredible transformation. And although Grandpa is not as extreme as Jean Valjean, it's still, um, he changed. And I thought that was uh, cool. Uh, I would say that um, my favorite character is probably um, in The Walking Fish, in that novel. I have a character, he's not a major character, um, but he a, was a real fun one to write. Although it's not explicit at all in the story, it's clear to anybody who's known anyone on the spectrum that he's on the spectrum. Uh, and he's uh, both exasperating and extremely endearing. And so the challenge of writing that character and, um, and the way it turned out makes him really my favorite. Great, thanks. I think I have another follow-up question. I know you're giving me such great inspiration. So I know you've each talked about settings a little bit. Like Rochelle talked about New Orleans and the shore. And um, so I was curious for, for all of you actually, how did you go about developing your settings? Did you do any research in behind that or was it like a really personal process? So I'm kind of curious how you got started. So if you can each um, take some time to answer. Um, for the Jersey Shore, that's, that's a personal. I've, um, you know, just drawn my memories of spending every summer at the shore uh, since I was a kid. For other things, um, like the road trip novel, that was somewhat from memory, but I also picked out sort of key tourist places that people would want to visit if they were on a cross-country trip. And for that, honestly, YouTube becomes great, you know, Google Earth, you can really use those tools to get a, a very good image of the place that if, even if you've never been there or can't remember it. Um, so I use those tools when it's not something that I've actually seen or been able to research firsthand. I guess I put uh, the story in an amusement park. Um, based on, if I, if I had to think back to what my grandparents would have found fun, it was their stories of Coney Island. And although it doesn't really mention Coney Island, it's just that thought that's where they would have fun when they were younger. And that's where, you know, the, the kids in the book with their grandfather would also have fun at some kind of an amusement park. So 
it was based on stories that I had heard from my mother growing up about how much fun they had there in Coney Island. And so that's where I placed it. Placed it. No real research, just just memories. Memories are important too, so don't discount that, Joe. So. Yeah. Well, like with the with Treehouse and a Storm, that was purely memory. But then, you know, my family's still mostly in New Orleans. But um, for uh, the walking fish, it took a lot of research. There's not a specific uh, place that's indicated, but we do know uh, it, because it's a science adventure novel. The research was very important. It had to be in a place that had mountains. It had to be in a place that froze. It had to be in a place that would have uh, 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 this lake that would empty into the ocean. So there was a lot of scientific reasons that I had to have consistency in wherever this fictional location was, which is likely to be somewhere in a mountainous northeast. Okay. Yeah, thank you. That was a great answer, too. And I know you have each focus on writing for teens and for children. So if you could genre hop or write anything, what genre would you choose and why? If, if I could genre hop an adult novel, I, I'm working on an adult novel now. I feel like as my writing's uh, growing, as I'm getting older, I have stories to tell um, from adulthood that, you know, I feel like I've covered the teen years, so um, adult novels seem to be the natural progression for me. I guess if I could genre hop, I would uh, do travel stories so I could take tax write-offs for my vacations. <laughs> <laughs> um, humor, probably humor. I, I, I like to make people laugh, so you know, if I could write humorous books, that'd probably be my, my first choice. Um, I've been able to genre hop within the children's writing yeah. because I have fiction and nonfiction, bio, I have some rhyme, I have prime, you know, uh, so I have within that. But if I was to get out of children's literature, I would love to be able to write things like, you know, a lot of historical mystery. I'd love to be able to write, but I have zero talent in that. I mean, just because I like to write, read something, doesn't mean I have any, you know, uh, talent for writing it. Um, but I think I would like to write um, memoir. Oh. I think I'd be interested in learning that. I don't know anything, but that's some about it. But that's something that I think I would like to learn. Okay. Thank you. And um, I have a follow-up question for you, Jennifer. Can you share more about the novel that you're writing, adult fiction, if you're able to? Yes. Um, I'm able to share. Um, so the idea for the story uh, came out of um, a house in our old neighborhood. It's like the Christmas house that has all of the Christmas ornaments on the front lawn. And people, That's the house I grew up in. Okay. Sorry, everyone. People drive around yes. to see that house and create traffic. <laughs> and the man in, who is responsible, the man in the story, loves Christmas, and the woman does not. Um, so I called it not the most wonderful time of the year. Um, and it's sort of about, it, it's sort of a comedic novel, you know. Um, he falls off the roof when he's putting up the Christmas decorations and can't do the decorations that year. And she has to decide, you know, A, do I stay with him? And B, am I going to put up these decorations uh, for him? So that's what the book's about. That's, that's so great. Yeah. Um, is there like a release date or are you still, it's a work in progress? Okay. I'm looking forward to it when it comes out because I am personally invested as someone who grew up in a house at all the decorations in a neighborhood. <laughs> so, um, as a, another follow-up question. So Joe, Michelle, are you working on anything next? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
Not, no, not really. Okay. Um, I, I, I have, um, it would probably be a, a personal project. When I was younger and I went on epic road trips and bike rides, I would uh, write stories for my families where I was and what I was doing and the crazy adventures we got into, but they were shared via email. And I always keep thinking to myself I should um, retype them all up and put some pictures in and make a book of, of all those stories I wrote from, just for my family. But I don't think it would be a public thing. That's understandable. Yeah, Rochelle, what about you? I'm never not working on something. Um, I, I have various works in progress. One is a novel with the same characters, although that can change. They could be independent characters. I could change that. Um, I have some fun children's nonfiction in the works, uh, both biography, um, some other ideas I'm kind of bouncing around with where I kind of start some you know, some notes on. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's some things in the pipeline. I have uh, five books that are coming out in the next two years, about two and a half years. So, uh, but those, those are done. I got to work on something new. Okay. Can you share more about your books that you have coming out, the, the five that you're working on? We'd love uh, to hear about them. Okay. Um, the next one, the next one that's coming out was actually supposed to be released next month. Um, it was a, um, we call it, my daughter and I wrote it together. She's, a, she's a nurse, but she's actually an excellent writer. And she's always been my first line editor before I even send it to my, anything to my critique group. And uh, it was her idea, since she was always helping me with some of the editing, and she said, when we were all isolated during the beginning of my pandemic, she says, let's write a book together. And so with Zoom and a rhyming dictionary and on, on uh, you know, in Google Docs, we, we wrote a book together. Um, in uh, primarily in rhyme with rhyming stanza and and prose stanzas and uh, it was probably the quickest book i ever found a publisher for uh, and that is called uh she's a mensch jewish women who rocked the world uh, and that one was supposed to be coming out in november but this publisher was recently uh good news picked up by a larger um uh book a larger uh, publisher as an imprint of it, and so it did push back the dates, so it's going to be not till next August, but it's going to do, do well for actually the sales and distribution and marketing of the book. So that's my next one. Okay, great. That's so lovely, too. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that kind of leads me to my next um, little question, a little um, off the cuff, too, about your writing process. So how did each of you get started? So, so Jennifer, do you want to go first? I, I started off as a journalist. Um, when I got out of college because you have to get paid, you need a job, there's no guarantee when you write mm -hmm. fiction. Um, so that I was first a nonfiction writer and then when I had my daughter in, in my downtime, I would start, you know, I started writing fiction. Uh, first picture book uh, and then middle grade and I feel like those sort of taught me story structure. But I, I think I found my voice in, in young adult fiction. Um, you're, you're actually making me bring back some memories in that I used to write uh, for my high school newspaper and also my college newspaper. And I just, I guess I like writing because it's a way to get my voice heard without people interrupting me and, and arguing with me or something. I can get my whole thoughts out there and um, just, just get it out there without anyone um, stopping me, kind of. So. Um, and then, like I said, this was an assignment for school. 
Um, deadlines help. I did the a uh, couple of years. We did the uh, I did the uh, 73 words and the 732 area code that the library runs, and I did a couple stories for that because <clears throat> on a dare from my wife that you could do something for this, and I did it. So kind of like deadlines, and you know, that's much better than it. Um, I have no professional background in writing, um, which just made the process a lot longer than it might have been <laughs> uh, for somebody who has a background in journalism. I did like to write a lot growing up. Um, as a teenager, I wrote uh, a lot of poetry, the worst angsty stuff you could ever imagine. It's really embarrassing. So I like to show it to my kids, and we all laugh about it. Um, but I was actually a social worker for 35 years. Um, and uh, also, I'm a clown. Yes, really, I'm Tickles the Clown and Mother Goof Storyteller. And I've been doing that for uh, 28 years uh, simultaneously with the other stuff. So. Um, uh, I started writing really just as a hobby when my kids were young, and then I thought, wow, some of this is really good. And uh, so I looked into it a little more, and I realized, no, it wasn't. It really wasn't very good. But, um, but I was enjoying the process, and I wanted it to be good, and so I did all the things you need to do to get better at it. I, you know, I learned, I went to the conferences, I read everything I could, I joined a critique group, I joined another critique group, I, you know, and got very involved. So the, it was a very long journey, but um, you know, it finally took hold and took off. So, yeah. Michelle, I have a follow-up question. So what's the most difficult job? Is it a writer, a clown, or a social worker? Because this all seemed really challenging. Oh, writer. Oh, writer. Really? There's no, there's no compa Oh, no, yeah. I thought you were gonna say social worker. Oh, I wasn't no. sure. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, the day is long, is long and there's a, a little, it's a little more thankless, you know? Yes. So I didn't have, when I worked in, uh, crisis intervention unit, I never had patients at the end of the day give me a hug and say, wow, we had a really fun day, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, they didn't want to be there, you know, they were angry, you know, but, but God, I, do, I do school visits all over the country. I get hugged by children, okay, so yeah, you do the math here yeah. and see what's more fun um, and rewarding. But the journey to it and the learning process was a lot longer, and, you know, it, yeah. um, doing that. So um, yeah, I would say, you know, and you can spend, you know, months, you can spend a couple of years writing a story and ultimately it never get published. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, thank you. That's a really great answer and really thoughtful answer, too. So I appreciate that. So and this is a question for each of you, um, especially for you, Jennifer and Rochelle. How do you think of the titles of your works? Is there any like process behind it or is it? Just something that like, I'm really curious about titles specifically because I think they're all really creative and fun. This book, August and Everything After, uh, this was an album by the Counting Crows, one of my all-time favorite albums. And it was set in summer, um, and it's sort of a love story between two people who are only going to know each other for the month of August. So it framed their story. You know, it happens in August, and when the book ends, you sort of have to envision what comes after. Um, a lot of times, uh, editors, uh, the marketing team will change your title. Um, this, the summer after you and me, I originally called it Surf Taco because the main character worked at Surf Taco and I liked the title Surf Taco. It reminded yeah. me of the movie Mystic Pizza. That's and, what I was thinking too. And, and the marketing team was like, yeah, no, nobody's going to read a book called Surf Taco. So, um, I, read Surf Taco. I would read it. They, they changed it. Um, 
And How My Summer Went Up in Flames, that I just had a working title for. Um, and my editor and I kicked around different ideas and we, we really couldn't come up with anything. And I have to credit the marketing team who actually came up with How My Summer Went Up in Flames, which I thought was like the coolest title. Um, probably it's my favorite title and favorite uh, cover uh, that was ever done. Thank you. That was a great answer. Yeah, Joe, how do you think of your title? My title. Well, you read the book, you're the title self-explanatory. Yes. Um, I figured it would appeal to fans of grandpas and fans of roller coasters. So. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all fans of both. Well, I mean, I am a little scared of roller coasters, but as long as I close my eyes, I'll be fine. So, <laughs> yeah, Rochelle, how about you? How do you think of your titles? Um, they've come about in different ways. Um, some of them, like as I mentioned before, like the uh, the don't turn the page. The title came before the book. Um, um, others, it's just sometimes it's just really a lot of thinking. Sometimes it's a title that's been changed by a marketing team or a publisher, um, and uh, so there's not there's not really one particular way that they come about. I know so, not all the titles in the end I'm in love with. Like I never I I, I sent out like the, with a um, treehouse in a storm. I wanted there to be the excitement of a, of a hurricane or a storm, but I also wanted there, the treehouse was the central character, so to speak. Um, and I never did love the title, but I had to have some, but something that elicited both. And so I, I basically, I even put it out there on, on this, in Facebook. It's like all my friends, like, I, need to, I need help coming up with a title. This is the gist of the story. Give me some ideas. And people would come up and, you know, and some of those felt like they worked, some of them could be tweaked, so. You know, there's so many ways. Yeah. Okay. So I have one last question before we open up to audience questions. So, um, what is the, kind of the most proudest thing that you've written? It could be anything in your books or just in general. So I'm just really curious about that as well. Like the thing that you're most proud about of having written. Sorry, I should have phrased that a little bit better. Um, August and everything after. This is my latest novel that came out in 2018. Um, it's, it's probably my, my proudest thing that I've written. I, it's the latest thing I've written. I think we always get better, and so, you know, maybe the next thing I write and publish will be my favorite thing, but for now, that's, it's definitely my, my favorite. Yeah, and Joe, what about you? This could be anything for school or anything at all whatsoever. Um, yeah, since I only have one book. Um, yeah. Actually, um, touch my heart, and I'm proudest as, as I, I wrote the eulogy for my dad when he passed away. Mm. And, uh, that that I thought uh, summed him up quite well, and I was I was proud to to do that. Yeah, thank you. That's incredibly moving too. Yeah, Rochelle, what about you? Um, I would say that I accidentally wrote a novel was the proudest thing. I had no intent, you know, intention of writing a novel. I'm probably the most impatient person that I know, and the idea of spending years working on it and, and the the amount of of, of character development that's required, the intricacy of a plot and the subplots, and I didn't think I had it in me. Um, but but so so just doing that, in spite of the fact that I, you know, that was not what I had set out to do, and really loving the, uh, you know, the ultimate product was something that I'm proud of having done. Yeah, thank you. That's such a great answer, too. So thank you for that. Um, so we have time for audience questions, if anyone has any. You're welcome to ask any of the authors anything about their books, their writing process. So. And obviously any of the authors in the room can ask questions as well. 
Oh, I see a hand raised in the back. Okay, so that's a great question for each of you. How do you get yourself into the chair to start writing? Um, one of my favorite books about writing is Stephen King's On Writing. Mm -hmm. And in that book, he describes a scene, you know, there are authors who say they have to wait for the muse to strike them. And he says, if you show up in your chair from nine to five every day, the muse is going to know where to look for you. So I think you have to treat it like a job, and, and that quote always just struck a chord with me. Um, it became like my, my inspiration. Um, deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. Um, you know, I had to do this, this book as an assignment for college. Um, when I used to write for the newspapers at school, there was a deadline. Um, even the 732 contest was a deadline to get that done. So deadlines, if you, you got something, you got to do it, you sit down and do it. Um, yeah, I've had, uh, I found it easier when my kids were young because uh, I would be up very early, get them off to school, husband went off to work, and it was quiet and it was early and I could sit down and be in front of that computer and once my butt was in the chair, it would, it would go on, but I have like less of a structure of my day now, which makes it a lot harder. And, uh, and I'm not um, dis as disciplined as I would like to be. Uh, the circumstances where I actually find it easier is when I'm stuck in the car for long periods of time. Um, we go on a lot of RV trips where we can be gone for, you know, we just came back from one uh, this, you know, in, in September, we're gone for five weeks. I was not driving while I was writing. I was in the passenger seat. Um, but I, I, I was a captive audience to my own work. I had no place to go. I had no distractions. It was the most boring drive I've ever been on with nothing but you know, wheat fields and, uh, and pine trees for thousands of miles, literally. So, um, so no distractions. And I got a lot of writing done that way. Um, and the other thing is deadlines. I hadn't even thought of that. Four of my books were actually contracted by a publisher. So uh, they asked me if I would write the title, uh, and I had to do, do the research, do the writing, and I had a deadline. And so when I have that kind of pressure, I get to work and I do it. Yeah, great, thank you. And we do have a question from um, the live stream. It's for Jennifer. Um, they ask, have you ever run into write a sequel to any of your books? Which is a really great question, too. Um, yes. Uh, I've wanted to write a sequel to August and Everything After. Um, I always envisioned The Summer After You and Me, August and Everything After, and then a third book to sort of complete my Jersey Shore trilogy. So yes, I think about these characters often, and I do think about like, you know, what they'd be doing now. Okay, great, thank you. And like, is that in the works? Do you think you're going to finish it? It's no pressure, obviously. It's, it's in my head. It's okay. That's um, good enough. So. But it's a good start, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Does anyone else have any questions? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, we, we have a few. Yeah, do you want to go ahead? So, so the session is called uh, Writing for Children and Teens, but you know, writing a book for a six-year-old is going to be very different than writing a book for a 16-year-old. So um, uh, how did you decide which area of Oh, sure, and I'll repeat the question um, for people online. He asked, how do you decide who to write for? Because writing for children is different than writing for teens. 
So um, how do you decide which age range to focus on? Yeah, do each of you want to answer that? Yeah. No, or Michelle, do you want to get, yeah. Um, I just, I, with my, the years of being a clown, it's the younger kids that I had most contact with. And when I started writing, my kids were young. When I started it as a hobby and then, you know, tried to work on it to become something more professional. And so that's where my focus was. And that's what I had a lot of fun with. I like the, the word play that comes with, um, with young children's books. So um, it's pretty much what I focused on. And, uh, and even though it could still take months or, you know, one of the titles that I have in, you know, that's under contract, I, I think I worked, a, you know, a good year and a half on it with all the revisions. And uh, so it's not necessarily quick, but I can still have a complete manuscript that I'm working on and revising that's, you know, that's at least initially started. So, so for my personality to actually be able to get a draft done in a shorter period of time fits me better. Great, thank you. Yeah. Um, basically, since this was an assignment, I, know, I never had any plans to publish this. This was an assignment. And it was easier to write for little kids than to try and do a, a novel with a lot of work in it. So it was basically, again, deadlines. I had uh, several weeks to write this story, and I really couldn't do a lot of uh, the background that's necessary in these novels and, and, and more bigger books for bigger kids. And so that was just my, my reason. When I first decided to start writing fiction, I signed up for writer's conferences. You know, I started going to writer's conferences just to explore what it was I thought I'd like to write. And at one of these conferences, um, one of the speakers said, uh, we're all a certain age inside, you know, and it doesn't necessarily match the, the, your age at that moment, but we all have a certain age inside. And I was sitting at a table and this woman next to me says, I'm five, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 17, you know. Um, and so most of my characters, it's that year between junior year and senior year of high school, turning 17, I feel like, you know, I, I write who I am inside. Can I also add to that because of what yeah. you said? I didn't have the happiest adolescence, and I don't know that I really want to revisit it that much. Um, you know, and have to—I would have to create, you know, characters that are not going to be like, you know, those that were, you know, part of my life. Um, I had never actually even thought about that until you're just saying that. But I think that's, you know, and also, you know, inside I'm probably more of eight or six or seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes much of my kids' great embarrassment. Um, but uh, I think that, that could have a lot to do with it, too. Where you want to go back to. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I appreciate your vulnerability in that answer, too. Yeah, yeah really thoughtful. I know we had a few other questions. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Jada, do you want to go really quickly? Okay, yeah, so I'm just gonna repeat. Um, she is asking if you have a team behind you, what's your whole process from conceptualizing book to seeing it finished? Um, I have critique partners, um, and 
they've been really great over the years at um, being like the first readers for any of my chapters. We, we keep each other on track, or we keep, you know, um, set schedules for when we're meeting, you know, have a certain page count for when that meeting is. Um, so I've really been blessed with some really great critique partners. Also, um, an agent who, you know, she reads for me too, um, offers me uh, feedback and sometimes tells me it's something she can't sell um, or why she can't sell it. Um, other times when she gets excited, I know I've, I'm on to something because, you know, they make their money by selling your book. So if, if, if she's excited that she can sell it, then it makes me excited about what I've written. Um, so yeah, and you know, my friends and family have also been really great about being readers for me. I think getting feedback keeps you going um, and having a critique group uh, makes you accountable to somebody. Yeah, it absolutely starts first with having a support group with, you know, in your immediate, you know, first having an immediate family that's supportive, um, which is great. Um, but beyond that, I have never not been in a critique group since I started writing, even at the beginning when we were all novices. Um, but then as, you know, I've been in as many as three in a given time when I've been writing different genres. Um, so that's extremely important. And then when a book is sold, then you have your editing team, you have the, uh, the, you know, if it's picture books, then there's a whole art team behind it too, where, you know, the, in a picture book, uh, illustrations tell half of the story. So um, sometimes that even requires an editing some of the words because, you know, the pictures are going to tell some of that some of that story that is not needed. Usually, you know that, and that's already taken up before it gets that far. But um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of of people and uh, and other writers and professionals that are involved behind you. Yeah, thank you. And I know we have a few time for two last questions. I know you had a question. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'll repeat the question for those online. Um, it's like, so when you were writing, um, what did you think, I should kind of get this published, and how difficult was it to get published initially? Um, for me, it, it was difficult to get the attention of an editor uh, without an agent. So when I first started writing, I would submit, some agents, when I first started writing, you could submit to some editors without having an agent. And it was hard to get out of the, the slush pile. They call it the slush pile. Mm -hmm. um, I actually went to a conference at Rutgers uh, University, and um, I met my agent there. And once I had an agent, that was the thing that uh, opened a lot of doors for me. Um, she was able to get me read and published you know, in, in a lot shorter time than if I didn't have an agent. Yeah, I wrote this in, in school and then it just sat up in the attic for a few years and then uh, as I was, we had grandkids and I started reading to them, I was like, these books are, <laughs> I mean, I have a better story upstairs, so that's what I said, I was going to publish it. And of course, not knowing better, I self-published it, which is an expensive um, endeavor. Um, I don't recommend it unless you're going to do the hard work to sell the book on your own. Um, I did not, I was still working at the time and I did not want to spend my weekends at fairs and craft fairs and things trying to get people to buy my book. So it just kind of sat up in the attic, the, the printed copies afterwards. So 
I self-published. It's expensive. And if you're going to do it, make sure you're willing to put in the hard work afterwards to get it out there. Yeah, thank you for being honest about that. Yeah, we're uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And when I, you, know, you asked about when you get started, and you know, when I, I, I'm not sure you were here at the beginning when I said that. You know, I thought that my, I got something really good when I first started writing, and uh, and I realized pretty quickly um, that it was not very good. Um, but I wanted to be good, so um, sometimes people come and you know they have like a story, and that's so important to publish that story. So if you don't want to be a writer, you just want that story to be published, then you might not get very far because that first story is not likely to be your best story. Um, it can take years. And one thing that Jennifer uh, didn't mention is that it's very very hard to get an agent. So it's hard to get a publisher without an agent, but it's very hard to get an agent. And uh, we both, I guess, started when there were still doors open to, the, to most of the publishers. You could you know, be picked out of a slush pile. You could at least submit to them, but little by little, um, all those doors were slamming shut, and now you needed an agent. Um, and it's even harder with picture books because for an agent, there's little money that they, ha that they can make um, if you are not also the illustrator. That means they only get half of the uh, royalties that they would get. They get a percentage of your royalties. So if you're not also the, uh, the illustrator, then they're only going to get half. And so it's harder and harder to get an agent. I have, in spite of the fact that I have 16 books out, uh, or I will, I have, uh, including the ones under contract, I have not been able to land an agent. That's how hard it is. Um, so I'm, I'm restricted to sending them to those publishers who still accept manuscripts that are not agented, or because I've in critique groups that have some very well-published authors with agents, I can often get a, um, an introduction um, so that I could submit to an editor um, with this introduction. Doesn't mean I'm getting it published, but at least I'm able to submit. But that's like far down the road. It's not something that's going to be available to somebody who's just starting out. So uh, you have to really, really want it. But then you can do it if you want it. Yeah, I like that. It's so honest, but also hopeful, too. Yes. Yeah, and we are out of time, unfortunately, but the authors will be around, so feel free to ask them questions afterwards. Yeah, I didn't sound very hopeful, did I? <laughs> no, I think it was. It actually was hopeful. Like, I appreciate it. It's honest, it's vulnerable, but it's raw, but it's, it's just really hopeful still. It's encouraging, because it really is like, just really straightforward. Like You have to work for it, so I do appreciate that. But thank you, Rochelle, Joe, and Jennifer, for being here. These were great answers. I really appreciate your candor. And I'm really, really glad all of you three made time to be here today, too. So thank you all for being Thanks here. For yes. yes, and thank you, everyone, for being here.